As we read examples of Old Testament, we have an opportunity to see the way God thinks by that which God chooses to do to the disobedient. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 explains the following to us. Verse 5, But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Verse 11, Now all these things happened unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. I was born again in 1975 by God speaking a word to me. I was in my bedroom, and he said, Joan, You know, all these mistakes you've been making all these years, those weren't mistakes. Those were sins. And I said, oh, sins? I thought they were mistakes. A couple of nights, three nights after I was born again, in the night while I was asleep, I was transported into heaven. I was with God with Christ with the Holy Spirit. I saw no images. It was a spiritual experience. And at that time, I was merged into the body of Jesus, made one with the Word of God, God and the Holy Spirit witnessing. A few nights after this, the exact same thing happened to me. I was taken into heaven exactly the same way. After that, I was on fire for things of God. I no longer wanted to be around my worldly friends that I'd been around before. I didn't want to do the things I'd done before. I wanted to know about God. I wanted to go to church. I wanted to be around the people of God. I was completely different after these experiences. Starting after that, in 1975, God began teaching me Bible. As I read the Bible, he would just show me something about that verse of Scripture, something that was not obvious. And for five years he taught me and showed me that I was going to be a minister. I owned a business at that time, American Indian Arts in Dallas. I had three very competent women who worked for me so I could stay home. I didn't have to go into the shop except to do appraisals. I just stayed home and read the Bible, and God taught me by His Spirit. Then in 1980, 
in the night. I was awakened by a very loud trumpet-like voice, which I believe was the voice of an angel, carrying instruction to me. Hartford, Seattle, KWJS. When I looked up KWJS, I found it to be a radio station. And I said to God, are you wanting me to go on radio? I wouldn't know how to do that. And instantly I heard from the Holy Spirit, call the radio station manager. I called him that same day. And I told him God might be showing me to go on radio. And I said, how would you do that? He said, make an audition tape 29 and a half minutes long. Send it to me. If you fit our broadcasting, we will offer you a contract. Within about five days, I was broadcasting on KWJS Monday through Fridays. Within a year, I was on coast to coast. Hartford, Seattle, just like that angel of the Lord had told me. The first two years, the messages were very popular. God had me speaking about taking thoughts captive, dealing with destructive thoughts, following God by the Spirit of God. In 1982, I had been speaking at a small church in Odessa, Texas. En route home, God began speaking to me while I was on the airplane. The Holy Spirit said over and over these words, The time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. The time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. Over and over I heard that, all the way back to Dallas. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know what I was to do with it. But about two or three days later, God showed me sin being committed by big-time radio and television ministers. and. When I tried to get the message to these ministers, I couldn't get the message to them, even though I was fairly well known by that time. God showed me just go on radio and give the message, naming the minister by name, and they will get the message then. And so that is what I did. I had been very popular with the congregations. But when I started doing that, hate mail poured in from the church members. A woman who was a very close friend of mine was dealing with all of the travel that I did going from city to city where I was on radio and having meetings. And we were very close friends. She came to me one day and said, Joan, is there any way that you could be wrong about these ministers and the message that you are giving? I said one word, no. 
God had used examples such as we're going to hear today to teach me discipline, to teach me to give the word that he instructs. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. Don't reason it away. Do exactly what I tell you. Paul explained that he was a servant of God. He was a minister of God, pleasing God, not man. Galatians 1. I will give you some examples after this of people twisting the word of God and rendering it totally unusable. But first, we're going to look at Saul. God had anointed Saul to be king over Israel. He had chosen him. Now he is going to test Saul to see if he will obey him. God gives Saul an assignment. 1 Samuel 15. He sent it to Saul by Samuel the prophet. Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. When we receive an assignment from God, we must do all of the assignment. We can't do part of it and then change part of it to another plan. We must do every part of that assignment. And we must not allow our minds to reason that assignment away in any part. Also, we must do all of the word the Bible, the scriptures, when the Holy Spirit brings a scripture to our mind. Saul did not do that. He did part of the instruction, but he changed part of it. Starting at verse 4, And Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Talim, 200,000 footmen and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to a city of Amalek and laid wait in the valley. And Saul said to the Canaanites, Go, depart, get you down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For ye showed kindness to all the children 
of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Canaanites departed from among the Amalekites. Verse 7, And Saul smote the Amalekites, just as God told him to do, he smote them. And he took Agag, who was the king, alive. Now that was against what God told him. He told him to slay Agag and to utterly destroy all the people with the sword. But he saved Agag, the king, and kept him alive. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen. God had told them to slay all the sheep and the oxen, but they kept the best of the sheep and oxen and destroyed the vile sheep and oxen. So here's two parts of the assignment that Saul didn't do. He allowed Agag to live, and he did not destroy the best of the sheep and oxen, but brought them back with him. Verse 10, Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, the prophet. God said, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he is turned back from following me, and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. Verse 12, And when Samuel arose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set him up a place, and is gone about, and passed on, and gone down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul. And Saul greeted him and said to him, Blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed the commandments of the Lord. He hadn't. He had done part of the assignment and had disobeyed on two parts of the assignment. So he says, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And then Samuel said, What meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? You were supposed to destroy those. And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites For the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. We see that Saul is blaming the people for sparing those sheep and oxen for the sacrifice, which they would later do. Something can seem like a spiritual thing, but be exactly opposite. Then Samuel said unto Saul, Stay 
and I will tell thee what the Lord hath said to me this night. And Saul said unto him, Say on. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel? And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag the king of the Amalekites, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Saul said, But the people took of the spoil. They did it. The chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, they took them the best of the sheep and oxen. They saved it to sacrifice unto the Lord. That was not what God told them to do. Saul is also saying, I didn't do it, the people did it. Blame them. He is the king over the people. The ruler is responsible. And often turns around and blames the people for his error, sin disobedience. And Samuel said to Saul, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned. For I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. I think there are a great many ministers who fear the people and do not fear God. Saul says, Now therefore I pray thee, pardon my sin and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. If a church person rejects the word of the Lord, we know, don't go with them. And Samuel said unto Saul, And the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. 
And as Samuel turned about to go away, he laid hold upon the skirt of Saul's mantle and rent it. The kingdom would be taken away from Saul and given to a person who would obey God. God showed me by this that you must obey the word of God, the scriptures. You don't add to them, don't take away from them. Obey them. Obey the word the Holy Spirit gives you. I was very deeply trained by God through examples in the Old Testament showing me what could come upon me if I did not obey God. When I presented the judgment messages on radio, my radio stations coast to coast, the people who worked for me in our office, the head of the office said to me, we would like to wear paper bags over our head when we come to meetings so they wouldn't know we worked for you. That was what was in their heart. I laughed when she said that, but it wasn't long before God removed her from working for me, and he removed everyone in the office from working for me because they hated the message. Verse 32, Then said Samuel, Bring ye hither to me Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And Agag came unto Samuel delicately, and Agag said, Surely the bitterness of death is past. Verse 33, And Samuel said, As thy sword hath made women childless, so shall thy mother be childless among women. And Samuel hewed Agag in pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. A prophet does the will of God and fulfills the work of God, choosing that which Saul would not do. We follow God. We follow the word of God that God brings to us by the Holy Spirit, and we follow the word of God brought to us by the Holy Scriptures, and we do it to the best of our ability with all the wisdom that God has given us. If we fail to obey God in each part of the word given us by God, we can bring judgment and penalty from God upon ourselves, and we cannot please God unless we fulfill his word. When I lived in Lubbock, Texas, another one of our church members lived there. I didn't have a church building and a big congregation. I had radio audience that was scattered all over the United States, and only one of them lived in the city where I lived. During that time, she bought a 
little dog, and it was being flown in from California on a passenger airline and being supervised on the trip by a dog handler. She told me about it, and she was picking it up out at the Lubbock airport around midnight. This is a woman that couldn't find her way around Lubbock in the daylight. She had no sense of direction. She was always getting lost in broad daylight. And here she's going to go at midnight out into the country about 15 miles into cotton fields where the airport was located north of Lubbock. I was just horrified with the plan. I was very concerned. I turned to God and I said, this really concerns me. She gets lost. Something could happen to her at that hour in the dark. I'm very concerned. And I was given a plan by God. Have her rent a car with the driver to take her out there to pick up the dog. I was so pleased with that plan. It was such a relaxing, safe plan. So I told her, I said, I've heard from God what you need to do. Rent a car and a driver to pick you up, take you out there to the airport. You won't have to walk in the dark from the parking lot. He will take you directly to the terminal where you meet the man who's delivering the dog. And she seemed to like the plan. The next day, she said, I have hired a car and a driver, but I really don't need to be taken to the airport. I'm going to drive myself, and then I will pick up the man that's delivering the dog, take him to his hotel, and the next morning I will send a rented car to pick him up and take him back to the airport. That was nothing like the plan. She completely changed every part of the plan, and I was furious with her. When she saw how upset it made me, she went back to the plan and did the plan, having a driver pick her up to take her to the airport in the dark, in the midnight hour. That's what people often do. Changing the plan. Changing the word from God. Changing the scriptures. Reasoning them away. And that's what churches do today. They're churches of the apostasy today. But what they do is they change the word of God. There's a scripture that says, the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. They don't teach that. People wouldn't like it. It would offend people. So they say, God wants you to be happy. Of course you can marry the divorced woman. There's many scriptures that says, if the divorced woman remarries, she commits adultery. They don't teach that. Many sections of scripture say that. Why wouldn't they teach that? It would offend people. People would leave them and go to another church. 
and they basically do not serve God in the fullness of all of the scriptures. They bring the scriptures that will please people to the congregation, but they pervert the scriptures that do not please the people. So that is Antichrist in the church. It is also the church of the end-time apostasy, which fall away from scriptures and will not obey all of the written word of God. God took these Old Testament scriptures to show me that there is a penalty if you do not handle the word of God correctly. I was so frightened over handling scripture that when I saw James chapter 1, verse 5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. I took the Bible I was using at that time and wrote above each chapter of the entire Bible, remember to pray for wisdom. I didn't want to forget that because I knew I needed wisdom to handle Scripture. And God promises he will give us wisdom if we ask him. We take these Old Testament Scriptures examples of what they did and how it was either good or evil and the penalties if it's evil and know that there is a terror of the Lord. The Apostle Paul said we all must appear at the judgment seat of Christ where we will receive for that which we have done, whether it be good or bad, Knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. 2 Corinthians 5. In so many of the churches today, they're teaching another doctrine. They're basically teaching that God is sort of like a grandfather figure who wants you to be happy, and you can do what you want to do, and everything will be fine. Well, that's not what the Bible shows us. In fact, there are three sections of Scripture that say if we sin willfully after we have the knowledge of the truth, there's no more repentance for our sin because we crucify the Son of God afresh if we sin willfully after the knowledge of the truth. Those scriptures are Hebrews chapter 10, start at verse 26, 2 Peter chapter 2. Peter says, you would have been better off to have never been known the truth than to turn from the truth. It's like a dog returning to eat its own vomit. And there's another passage of Scripture that it says it's impossible to bring the person to repentance if they turn from the knowledge of God after they have been enlightened. That is in Hebrews chapter 
6. Paul said, turn them over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. That's the way out. You have no company with them. You don't be around them. When you see a brother commit a sin of fornication, covetousness, idolatry, railing, drunkenness, extortion, 1 Corinthians 5 is where Paul gives this instruction. So you can't learn the truth about a sin such as drunkenness and go back and be drunk willfully after the knowledge of the truth. For there's no more sacrifice for sin. Jesus died once for all. And that point, our sin was forgiven when we're born again. And then we learned that it is a sin. I didn't know what I was doing before I was born again was a sin. I thought I was making mistakes. Many people think they've made a mistake when they're actually sinning by what they're doing. Thank you for allowing me to share this with you today. I want to encourage you to read the writing that's attached to this podcast and think about the things that Saul chose to do and think about the penalty that was brought upon Saul by God. We're going to read about David tomorrow. David committed a terrible sin. God didn't kill him. God didn't remove him from being king. But God put three very strong penalties that would be on David the rest of his life. Thank you very much.